0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening,
2: and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking details of a disturbing assault on a senior outside the Costco in downtown Vancouver.
3: The victim is in his 80s and is now in hospital with serious injuries. Romina Dea joins us now with details on this one. And Romina, walk us through what we know about what happened.
1: Chris, the violent assault took place just after 11 o'clock this morning behind me where you see the carts parked over here. Now, what sparked it, we still don't know. It doesn't look like the suspect and the victim knew each other. Now, police are telling us that the senior was, was, was pushed originally... After that, he fell, he hit his head on the ground, there was blood everywhere, as you mentioned, serious injuries, he was rushed to hospital. The suspect actually fled the scene, police saying that he may have not survived if it wasn't for the quick action of staff and customers who were first on the scene.
4: We're very thankful that these people decided to take action, to move in, to create a safe environment for this person, to get first aid. From what I understand, people jumped into action, first aid kits were brought out, all attempts were made, they've tried their best here, and now it's in the hands of the medical staff.
3: So, Romina, you mentioned they caught the suspect, but uh, obviously there's still a need to talk to witnesses here.
1: Absolutely. It was a a, a rapid-fire arrest, actually, by the police. They caught up with the suspect about two hours later in East Vancouver near his home. Now, he is in custody tonight. He's a 57-year-old Vancouver man, but no charges have been laid. I mean, the store would have been busy. It's packed right now. A lot of shoppers for Christmas. So at 11 o'clock in the morning, there were a lot of people here. So there are potentially a lot of witnesses who have not spoken to the police yet. And they are asking that they please come forward with any information that might help in this investigation. Chris.
3: Let's hope someone steps up. Thanks, Romina.
1: Former RCMP Inspector Tim Shields
2: has been found not guilty of sexual assault. The charges in connection with an incident involving a civilian employee. Jeff Hastings has more on the judge's decision and the reaction.
5: Tim Shields leaves a Vancouver courthouse with an eight-year weight lifted from his shoulders. The former RCMP inspector was accused of sexually assaulting a civilian employee in a headquarters washroom in 2009. Not guilty, the verdict read in court by Judge Patrick Doherty. The court has acquitted Mr. Shields of the charges he was facing. Uh, While this is not the result the Crown was seeking or advocating for, we uh, respect and the court's role in deciding these difficult cases. That a sexual encounter occurred was acknowledged. The issue was whether it was consensual. She said it wasn't. Shields maintained it was.
1: This wasn't a case of mistaken belief in consent.
6: This was a case in which the judge found that it was not proven beyond a reasonable doubt that there was no consent.
5: The judge didn't have any issue with the credibility of Tim Shields' accuser, but he did have issue with the reliability and her ability to recall past events. The accuser, the judge said, presented poorly as a witness, was combative with the defense and did not answer some of the questions posed. Shields was found to be evasive on one point, reluctant to concede he was in a position of authority, but generally a good witness prepared to concede points unhelpful to his case. The judge was unable to conclude how the pair came to be inside the unisex washroom, 30 feet from the commissioner's desk. Everyone, it's worth noting uh, regardless of their uh, gender or ancestry is entitled when they're facing uh, criminal charges to be presumed innocent at trial. As for the decision causing a chill for sexual assault victims thinking about coming forward, the recent words of retiring Chief Justice Beverly McLaughlin are mentioned.
1: She said that you can't get
6: distracted by a small number of cases when the majority of sexual assault cases that go on in this country
1: are handled correctly.
5: Jeff Hastings, Global News
3: vancouver police are investigating a fatal hit and run in downtown vancouver this morning it happened near pendril and butte vpd received several 911 calls just before 7 a.m about a woman struck by a van in the north lane of pendril near butte she was rushed to hospital and died a short time later the van allegedly involved in the collision left the area but was located a short distance away the driver a 47 year old man has been taken into police custody. Anyone who may have witnessed the incident is being asked to call Vancouver police. Meantime, in Saanich, police are investigating another serious accident this morning. A young girl, now identified as Layla Bui, was struck while in a crosswalk. She was rushed to hospital with extensive injuries. Nitu Garcha has more on what happened and why neighbors say it's a dangerous area.
7: Making her way along this crosswalk, a child was on her way to school when she was hit by this black SUV and thrown to the ground. The
3: child was definitely hit by one
4: car.
7: Landing in front of this silver sedan, which investigators believe had stopped just shy of striking her a second time.
4: Ambulance was already on scene. They packaged the uh, child off and uh, transported the child to uh, Victoria General Hospital with serious injuries.
7: The girl, a grade 6 student at Arbutus Global Middle School, which is offering counseling for students who may need support. Officials were called to the intersection of Torque Drive and Ash Road shortly after 8 a.m. Relatives who live steps away too distraught to speak on camera, telling us she had left the home moments before being hit, adding the family, is shocked. But some neighbors feared this was coming.
3: It's upsetting that it's so close to home, but it was bound to happen. It was just a matter of time.
7: Paul La Rochelle, a driving instructor who lives down the street.
5: I purposely bring students to this intersection and they are all dumbfounded by how narrow the road is, how it's constricted and and how dangerous it is. There's been numerous accidents uh, given that it's a blind hill and
0: People tend to use excessive speed coming up the hill.
7: A child's glove among the items scattered on the road. As investigators try to determine the speed of the vehicles involved, both drivers cooperating with the investigation. Officials say there's no indication speed or impairment were factors in the collision that's left the child fighting for her life.
0: I think that uh, something has to be done.
7: After being closed for several hours, this intersection now reopened. The District of Saanich says there haven't been any pedestrian-related accidents here in the last decade, according to ICBC records. But it does plan to review intersection improvements, taking into account residents' concerns and this tragic accident. Nitu Garcha, Global News, Saanich. A
2: teen playing with matches is believed to have started a three-alarm fire at an East Vancouver apartment that has forced multiple families from their homes. Aaron MacArthur joins us live from the scene. Aaron, this is such a tragedy for these families, some of whom are likely out for Christmas.
8: Yeah, Sophie, I think the whole building will likely be out for Christmas. The fire started there in that third floor unit behind me and then quit, spread quickly to the roof line and then along the roof line. The damage inside throughout the whole building is extensive. By the time firefighters arrived, the flames were above the roof line and spreading. A third floor apartment destroyed. The people inside had to run for their lives. Just
6: wrapped my son in a blanket. And we come running outside and sure enough um,
1: the top floor here, um, two floors above us uh, was completely on fire. Lots of smoke because we opened the door when we heard all the screaming and the fire alarm and the smoke just came right into our apartment. It was just full. We couldn't breathe.
9: I was coming down on the elevator and I heard the alarm and they said there's a fire on the third floor so I just went right back up and grabbed my
1: medication and I left. We came out with everything on our back. All our gifts.
8: The fire was sparked in what's believed to be a back bedroom of this third-floor unit. The woman who lives here says it was an accident. Her son was playing with matches.
10: My son accidentally lit some of the laundry on fire, and it just spread like crazy. And, uh, yeah, just luckily my boyfriend was there to uh, get my son out of the place.
8: There are 27 units in the building run by the Native Housing Society. The damage is extensive to the eastern half of the building. Smoke, water and fire damage. Crews still trying to keep the flames from spreading through the walls. We're going to be here for a while. We are actually inside the units right now, we're opening up all the ceilings and we're going to make sure it's out. We won't go anywhere until we know it's out. Vancouver Fire says everyone got out of the building safely. There were a lot of pets that needed some help to get out. One cat suffered some burns.
1: I'm just happy I got my cats back.
8: (laughs) It will be some time before residents are able to move back in. Many people likely homeless for Christmas. Now, Vancouver fire uh, investigators are on scene trying to pinpoint an exact cause of that fire. Uh, Restoration companies are already here trying to move that process along as well. I was speaking with one of the residents today. She said they're already dealing with poverty in this building. The building's run by the Native Housing Society and now they're homeless, likely for the holidays. Terrible time of year for this to happen. Sophie?
2: Absolutely. All right, Aaron, thanks for that.
3: The province's police watchdog has been called in to investigate whether any action or inaction by Mounties led to the death of a man in Burnaby early this morning. RCMP say at approximately 4 a.m., police located a man inside a vehicle in a parking lot in the 200 block of Willingdon Avenue. A rifle was allegedly observed on the man's lap Attempts to speak to him were unsuccessful, and the Lower Mainland's emergency response team was called in. When ERT officers approached the vehicle, they confirmed the man was dead. IIO investigators are now collecting evidence from the scene, reviewing any available CCTV footage, and interviewing witnesses.
2: Three people are now facing criminal charges in one of the biggest puppy mill seizures in B.C. history. Sixty-six dogs and puppies were seized from a breeder in Langley in February of last year. They spent months recovering in the care of the SPCA. Glenn Lawler, Maria Wall Lawler, and James Dale Shively, who has legally changed his name to James Phoenix, are now all facing charges of animal cruelty. All of the animals have now been adopted to new homes.
3: Abbotsford police breaking with a Christmas tradition this year to offer up a poignant tribute to a fallen officer. This year's Christmas card, titled Operation Resolution, honors Constable John Davidson, killed in the line of duty earlier this year. It depicts Santa, Chief Bob Rich, taking a knee next to first responders from across the Lower Mainland.
5: Uh, This year we decided that we needed to change it up uh, out of respect to our fallen comrade, in John Davidson. Uh, In addition, we wanted to acknowledge the tremendous support that uh, has come our way uh, from first responders across the planet as well as uh, citizens not just in Abbotsford but well beyond.
2: Well, as we all recover from yesterday's snowfall, thoughts turn to the shoveling that will lie ahead for us this winter. And while some homeowners are better than others at keeping their sidewalks clean, the city of Vancouver is under pressure to take a harder line against offenders. Kristen Robinson explains why.
6: It was a winter to remember for all the wrong reasons.
11: There was like ice for almost a week. I probably I would describe it as haphazard. They did the best they could. But they they weren't prepared. (laughs)
6: Vancouver's snow-clearing disaster of 2016-2017 saw unplowed streets, impassable sidewalks, and free-salt wars. Not all of that salt ended up here, and only a few of the snow-shoveling scoff laws are paying for breaking the bylaw. During ten weeks of winter, The city issued more than 10,000 warnings to those who didn't clear their sidewalks by 10 a.m. after a snowfall. Only 500-plus cases were prosecuted, including tickets between $250 to $2,500. I think
11: the two-warning system, while I think it was well-intended, it unfortunately didn't yield the results. People weren't taking it seriously.
6: Vancouverites get two breaks before a ticket too many according to the city's newest NPA councillor.
11: Unfortunately, it's fines that get people's attention. Other cities, major cities, there's either no warning or one warning. I think that that is fair and it's common.
6: In Calgary, if you don't act after one warning, the city will do the work and bill you a minimum $150. Edmonton offenders face a $100 fine and cleanup costs, warnings not always issued. And if there's no action after one warning in Toronto, charges are laid and the city notifies its crews to clear the snow you could be slapped with the bill.
11: I think one is one should be sufficient for a warning.
6: Vancouver's mayor defends the education over enforcement approach.
11: I think it's just give people the benefit of the doubt, and especially for seniors or people that weren't home, uh, that they don't get busted right away, we'll give them a chance to deal with it.
6: While everyone is encouraged to get out their shovels, the city also digging in with an $840,000 winter budget boost. Residents hope it won't be a snow job. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
3: Right now, though, BC's overdose crisis has spawned another outside-the-box idea from health authorities. Make drugs available in vending machines.
2: Grace Key has the details on that and another new program that will put naloxone kits in BC pharmacies.
12: I will be sharing some information about this take-home naloxone A
9: pharmacist at the Lennon Drugs in New Westminster is training someone how to use a naloxone kit and how to recognize an overdose.
11: They may include slow or no breathing.
9: In response to the opioid crisis, the province has announced a new program. You can now pick up a free naloxone kit at pharmacies throughout B.C. Naloxone kits have saved countless lives
6: in every corner of this province and through this program we hope to be able to save even more lives.
9: About 1,900 kits have been distributed to 220 pharmacies, including London Drugs, Save on Foods, and Independence. Previously, kits have been made available to harm reduction sites, hospitals, health units, correction facilities, and First Nations sites. To ensure privacy, identification is not tracked.
12: Once the needle has been inserted, you want to push the plunger all the way down.
9: Another tool to battle the overdose crisis is being explored, vending machines that distribute hydromorphone pills a prescription opioid. The machines would be regulated. A person would be assessed, could carry a card with a daily limit, and access the machines at existing addiction or healthcare facilities.
4: We're exploring different methods for that. Um, probably one of the most extreme Um, Models would be uh, anonymous vending machines, but uh, we're
6: exploring many models that would just allow people access to a safer supply of drugs. We look forward to seeing the results of that research. Uh, We think it's important that we be bold and innovative and do everything we can to save lives.
9: NBC, there have been 1,208 overdose deaths to the end of October from illicit drugs, and many agree creative solutions need to be found. Grace Key, Global News.
2: The Loblaw food chain is offering customers $25 gift cards after admitting to being part of an industry-wide price-fixing scheme. The price-fixing involved coordinating retail and wholesale prices of bread products dating back to 2001. Loblaw reported the price-fixing to the competition watchdog, blaming certain employees, and because they did that, they are immune to prosecution. To make it up to customers, the company will be issuing the gift cards next month. You can register for yours by heading to the website loblawcard.ca after January 8th. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau apologized today for not consulting the federal ethics commissioner before going on a family vacation last year to a private island owned by the Aga Khan. The commissioner today ruled the trip was a conflict of interest, making Trudeau the first prime minister to violate the conflict rules. The PM won't face any penalties. The opposition says he should.
3: Meantime, the Prime Minister has thrown the timeline for marijuana legalization into question. Governments, health authorities and police forces have all been operating on the assumption that it will happen on July 1st of next year.
2: But now Trudeau is appearing to rule out that date. Ted Chernecki has the details and the reaction.
0: With less than a week to Christmas, a thoughtful gift from one government to another and a lump of coal for the cannabis community. The Prime Minister, in an interview with Quebec Media, saying marijuana will definitely not be legal come July 1st. And that's fine for some. I'm pleased with the announcement that it's not going to be July 1st. July 1st is Canada Day, it should not be Cannabis Day. The B.C. government has been quite vocal about how many pieces of legislation needed to be rewritten to accommodate legalized marijuana, to the point it was paralyzing all other government actions. And mayors too, even today, say pushing legalization back a few months isn't enough.
12: The beginning of 2019,
4: I think, would be a more reasonable time. Give the provinces time to enact, enact and think through their regulations and then give the cities some time because we're, we're going to have to be the ones dealing with the retail stores. We'll have to deal with bylaws. We'll have to deal with enforcement, ultimately.
0: Cannabis activists Jody and Mark Emery have just returned from Ontario where they were fined close to $200,000 each for illegally operating a chain of marijuana dispensaries before legalization. They say the only reason governments need more time is because Ottawa and the provinces are making everything needlessly bureaucratic.
9: I think the only difference from now in legalization is that we're going to have tough new laws going after people like me who are considered criminals. And you're going to see a lot of money being made by former cops and politicians and people investing in these pot companies, hoping to strike gold while a lot of us are sidelined after making it possible.
0: So July 1st will be known as Canada Day and only Canada Day, with the Prime Minister saying legalization will happen, quote, next summer. Ted Czernacki, Global News. Yeah.
2: A landmark ruling in Europe on ride-sharing that could have a ripple effect around the world. The European Court of Justice has ruled that Uber should be regulated like a taxi company and not just a tech service. Spanish taxi drivers and the Spanish law firm that spearheaded the case celebrated the decision today. The court rejected Uber's argument that it's not a taxi company, but simply a computer app that connects drivers and passengers. Uber claims the ruling will not change its operations much because it already operates under transportation law in most EU countries.
3: If you missed out on that amazing data deal offered by Canada's major cell phone carriers, you might be out of luck, as it appears to be over for now. And as Global Sean O'Shea reports, the company's attempt to win new fans may have backfired.
13: It set off a stampede. We thank you for your patience and understanding. Canadians desperate for a deal on cell phone service and data. You couldn't get through to Bell, you couldn't get through to Fido, you couldn't get through to TELUS. Everybody was getting hammered the same way. Overloading call centers in search of the lowest prices many have ever seen. The last time I had just put my kids to bed and I sat on hold for three and a half hours and then it hung up on me again. So, you know, just over four and a half hours. Todd Snezik wanted that 10 gigabyte for $60 deal with Rogers, so he waited and waited. They weren't ready for this. Persistence or good luck carried the day for some.
10: My wait time was 47 minutes, but I saw anyone calling yesterday. It was up to three hours.
13: Kind of a sad comment on the Canadian cell phone market that they have to jump on a deal like this and, and find a way to, uh, to get these new prices. Canadian consumers pay some of the highest prices for mobile phone service in the world. When upstart Freedom Mobile lowered prices in Ontario, B.C. and Alberta recently, suddenly the established providers joined in but briefly.
5: You need to have more of these episodes and link them more together before we'd say there's a truly competitive
13: uh, wireless market in Canada. Some abandoned phones entirely and went to the stores directly. But even there, there were long lineups. And by Wednesday morning, Rogers, Bell, and Telus and their sub-brands had all pulled their special offers.
11: If you are calling about the $60, 10-gigabyte offers, please note that these limited-time offers are no longer available.
13: Todd got his deal but understands the anger among those who want a better price but couldn't reach somebody who could help them. That's their job. They're a phone service and and they couldn't actually handle a phone call. Sean O'Shea Global.
3: On the plus side, industry analysts are saying tonight that this probably isn't a one-time thing and those deals are likely to be back.
2: A BC business leader has made history with his latest achievement. Peter Dillon, the CEO of the cranberry giant, Richberry Group of Companies, has been appointed to the board of the Bank of Canada. He's the first Indo-Canadian ever to serve as a director for the iconic financial institution. The board is headed by the governor of the Bank of Canada, who sets the financial direction for the Canadian banking industry.
3: A Florida police officer is making a pretty remarkable recovery after being dragged by a car at high speed.
2: He was investigating a report of two people passed out in a vehicle when the driver suddenly gunned the engine. And what happened next was all caught on the officer's body cam.
11: 20 seconds of high speed terror began in a flash. Florida officer John Cusack, responding to a call for a drug overdose, approaches a man and a woman sitting in a parked car. That ID? Then... Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa!
11: Whoa! Body cam video captures Cusack clinging to the driver's side door, holding on for his life. The suspect stepping on him, accelerating up to 60 miles an hour. After a half mile, Cusack lets go. A security camera captures the officer tumbling across a busy road. He suffered significant road rash and injuries. But the driver, suspect Thomas Cabrera, wasn't stopping. He led police on a chase at speeds reaching 100 miles an hour. With guns drawn, he's finally captured. Today Cabrera was charged with attempted murder. Police say he confessed to the whole thing, including being high on heroin. Officer Cusack is a hero. Uh, He Tried to save someone's life, and in the process, he almost lost his own. This afternoon, a battered Cusack walked out of the hospital, smiling to a cheering crowd.
10: Thank you very much for all the prayers.
11: A harrowing half-mile for one of Florida's finest that could have ended much worse. Steve Patterson, NBC News.
2: New details in that deadly Amtrak derailment in Washington state. Federal transportation officials have revealed a conductor was in the cab with the train's engineer at the time of the crash. NTSB investigators also say the train's brakes were eventually engaged automatically, not by the engineer. Three people were killed when the train headed from Seattle to Portland careened off a bridge around 730 Monday morning. Investigators have said the train was traveling at 80 miles per hour in a 30-mile-per-hour stretch of track.
3: The Trudeau government is making good on a campaign promise to overhaul the pension package for Canada's wounded soldiers. The Liberals are bringing back a revised version of lifelong disability pensions that were scrapped by the Harper government over a decade ago. The changes will condense six current benefits into one program. While it will mean more money for injured veterans, the new plan still falls short of the compensation offered by the old system.
0: The background of this is, it is a complex system. But from the veteran's point of view, and through this whole process, as we've developed this pension for life option, I have attempted to do my level best, as has our department, to keep the point of view of the veteran first and foremost.
3: The changes won't come into effect until April 2019 as the government works to secure funding.
2: In Health Matters tonight, Canadian Blood Services says it needs 5,000 people to give blood in order to save lives through the holiday season. Yesterday's snowstorm apparently caused hundreds of cancellations of would-be donors. A Burnaby mother wants us to know that because of a blood donor, her 11-month-old daughter will celebrate her very first Christmas. Lynn Collier has that story. Say she was about
6: this big, like a stick of butter. Liz Chula can joke about her youngest daughter's size now, but when her water broke a year ago at just 23 weeks pregnant, she was terrified. Baby Karina was born at 25 weeks, weighing just one pound, seven ounces. She was a fighter, but an artery that closes naturally in full-term babies was open in Karina's heart. She needed surgery. The good blood and the bad blood was mixing together and they needed to go in and close that. So the day they wanted to do it, she looked a little pale and um, she wasn't feeling well and they had done all the the pre-op blood work. um, So everything was,
7: her numbers were down.
6: Karina needed a blood transfusion even before she could have the life-saving surgery. One unit of blood gave her that chance. You think it's just a unit? It really can be a matter of of life and death. I, I get goosebumps talking about it. Donate that unit. Even if it's just a unit, go do it.
12: One person can make all the difference. In the case of Karina, that one unit of blood helped enable that surgery to happen, which saved her life. You know, she's going to be one um, in January, and that's the gift of one donor who who might not have thought about that. So for, for donors out there who are wondering the impact of the gift that they give throughout the year, there's a great example of that.
6: Karina is 15 pounds now, a healthy, energetic baby, here to celebrate her first Christmas because of a blood donor. Without that donor, without that blood, we wouldn't have been able to have that procedure, and... We just, we we want to say thank you to everyone that donates because we'll obviously never know who it was. But um, thank you. And uh, that's why Karina's here today. Lynn Collier, Global News. (laughs) What a cutie.
2: Well, you can make a donation appointment online and you can find a link to the blood services website on our site, globalnews.ca slash bc. Talk about a turnover—the surprise that ended up in an NBA player's backyard pool, right after the forecast.
3: Right after that big blast of winter, I'm I'm volunteering to start your car and Christie's too before <laughs> we guys go home tonight because I know it's so cold out there. And
2: scrape the ice. Scrape the it ice. And... I'll
3: take care of it. <laughs> okay, thank I'm, you. I'm you heard that. him.
10: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, you know, today was so spectacular. It's hard to forget that, you guys. We can't. But, yes, uh, is there more snow and ice? That really is the big question. Short answer is yes, it is on the way. So temperatures tonight down to minus 5 out in the Fraser Valley, minus 2 for Metro Vancouver. Anything that thawed today will refreeze overnight. You're going to need to sand or salt your sidewalks in the morning, that's for sure, maybe a little bit of scraping. And in the afternoon, a chance of flurries again. Now, it's only a 40% chance for Metro Vancouver. Small pockets. There's a slim chance it could be showers, but I think it'll be flurries for the most part. But out in the Fraser Valley, 60% chance, and same for you on southeast Vancouver Island. Here's a look at how it's going to progress. Now, it's clear across the south. The system is well to the north of us. It will push into the central interior, caribou overnight two to four centimeters for you through the overnight period. Then it travels to the south. By the afternoon hours, you'll see a couple of centimeters across the southern regions, especially in the Columbia and the Kootenai region. In the afternoon, there's a slim chance it could be across the south coast, but more so for our area, it will be late afternoon, evening hours. But because it's traveling from the north, it tends to break up as it makes its way over the coast mountains. That's why it's only a 40% chance for Metro Vancouver. Fraser Valley, you have a much better chance. What about Vancouver Island? Well, if with this type of northerly flow, we tend to get these streamers across the Strait of Georgia. So I've put in a 60% chance of isolated flurries for you. You may see a couple of centimeters, but there could be some pockets that could get four centimeters and other areas wouldn't get anything at all. There'll be quite a variation. Okay, so through the north, flurries for you overnight. It clears out through the day. It shifts down to the south throughout the afternoon hours, and this is where we'll see two to four centimeters in pockets. It's just Flurries. South coast, dry in the morning, the flurries pushing in through the late afternoon, evening hours. Could be showers depending on the temperature. Air mass is really cold, though I expect it to be flurries. Then in the morning, it clears out quite quickly on Friday. Cold and clear right through to Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Day, there's a slim chance we could see flurries once again. It's still days out, so make sure you tune back in, and we'll be able to refine that as we get closer. Happy anniversary to Louise and Don Parmenter celebrating 71 years together. And a shout-out to those of you in Cranbrook. As we were complaining here across the south coast, about 10 centimeters of snow. You saw 30 yesterday. Mm. Yikes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have nothing to complain about. Thanks, Christy.
3: All right, an NBA basketball star walked out of his Portland home this morning stunned to find his pool had a new feature.
2: Portland trailblazer guard Evan Turner found a dump truck had tumbled off a nearby road and into his swimming pool. Rescue crews had to hold the driver's head above water while they worked to free the driver's leg pinned between the steering wheel and the center console. He has serious but non-life-threatening injuries.
3: And police in Winnebago County, Wisconsin posted these pictures to their Facebook page as a warning to the locals. The fresh snow cover can be deceiving, and the ice might not be thick enough to support your car. Oh
2: my goodness. Yeah, definitely don't try that anywhere.
3: (laughs) That's right. Could apply here as well.
2: The ice definitely wasn't thick enough for this dog in New Jersey. Luckily for him, a couple of cops didn't think twice before jumping to the rescue.
1: Girl. Come on, it's okay. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming.
2: He's
3: coming. You can see one officer at the bottom of the screen there crawling out onto the ice while tethered to his partner with that rope. He eventually got close enough to grab the dog, and both of them were pulled to safety.
12: girl. Oh, my goodness.
3: We got to warn this dog. up. 50 for all, 50, remove the dog. Water.
8: I, got, I got a puppy at home,
10: and I was like crying. Sort of a Blair Witch. I always get chills when I see mm-hmm. things like that. That's
3: amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, he had a puppy at home. He had to get out there and save him. Resonate with that. Yeah. Barry's here while uh, Squire works on Plays of the Year. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's such a production. Breaking they, news, uh,
4: they've, they've just completed the uh, production.
2: Oh, it's done the now? Production, so oh, it, There
4: will be, kids, there will be a Plays of the Year. <laughs>
2: okay, good. Yes,
4: don't worry Virginia. about it. It's going to
3: happen, yeah.
4: I was going to say, speaking of thin ice. Mm-hmm.
2: So it was entertaining.
3: It was an entertaining game. I watched a great deal of it. Uh, Yeah, it was a lot of goals.
4: You know, know, Canadians and Canucks aren't two teams who have a lot of offense, supposedly. But last Mm -hmm. night they did. But a lot of breakdowns. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Depends. But it was entertaining. Thanks, Chris. And so the uh, Canucks scored five last night against the Habs on most nights. That would be plenty enough to get two points in the standings. But not last night. The Canucks uh, surrendered seven to the Habs in another sloppy defensive effort. It's been a troubling trend of late. And not coincidentally, it all started when Bo Horvat got hurt a couple of weeks ago. For the third time in four games the Canucks have given up at least six goals against and Vancouver's now dropped to 22nd in the NHL in goals allowed after being in the top five in goals against through the first quarter of the season. Hockey is a team sport, but the absence of Bo Horvat and the rash of injuries at forward has caused a domino effect. Now third liners are playing on the top line, there's no shutdown line, and the structure that was so obvious in the first 25 games has crumbled. We need a team effort to
3: defend as well, and when you're missing guys that play minutes at both ends of the rink. You better be make sure that you're playing a really good team game. That defense is connected to offense. Uh, Spending time in the offensive zone cuts down time in your own zone, and, and the two go hand in hand.
4: Since the Horvat injury, the Canucks are 1-6. They've given up 36 goals, an average of over 5 per night, and they've only scored 15. Those numbers don't lie. The Canucks just give up way too much, and unless everyone is dialed in, including the goaltenders, the Canucks really don't have a chance to win. Certainly their luck has to change on the injury front. It couldn't get any worse. Brandon Sutter should be back after the Christmas break, and Horvat and Berchi should return sometime in mid January, but by then, the Canucks will likely be buried deep in the standings, which may not be a bad thing. Another high draft is what this franchise needs to continue to build the core of this team going forward. All right, NHL overnight, our old friend Torts in the Columbus Blue Jackets hosting uh, the Maple Leafs first period. Just as a Leafs power play ends, how about Seth Jones? Coast-to-coast rush to fire it past uh, Curtis McElhinney, 2-0 Jackets. But back come the Leafs, William Nylander to Jake Gardner, who scores. No Austin Matthews again tonight for Toronto. Sixth straight game, he has missed with injury. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois, this was the guy the Canucks wanted to draft a couple of years ago. That's when they uh, settled on UL Levy, but Dubois scores his seventh of the year there. 3-1 Columbus right now in the third. This year's World Junior Hockey Tournament is in Buffalo, New York, which is essentially a home game for Canada. Thousands from southern Ontario are expected to make the short trip to cheer on the Canadians. This year, Team Canada doesn't have a lot of marquee players, but one Canuck prospect is on the team, Jonah Gadjevich, their second round draft from the uh, 2017 draft. Canada Canada plays its open on Boxing Day, but today in London... They took on the checks in a tune up and looking sharp early. How about this passing? One, two, three, four, and in. One nothing, and the goal going to Maxime Comtois. One nothing, Canada. And then another pretty one. Taylor Radish, one of the returning players from last year, combining with Robert Thomas on a nice two on one. Two nothing, Canada after one. And then in the second, Radish will set up that Canuck pick, Jonah Gadjevich, in the slot. But the Czech goalie makes a nice save. Keeps it 2-0 at that point. But Canada really turned it on after that. They'll win the draw on the power play. And it's Jake Bean. You can get used to all these Canadian players who will be uh, certainly figuring prominently in the tournament coming up next week. It's 3-0. And then uh, Gajevic also hits the board right here. He knocks it in. Canada rolls up the Czechs. 9-0. One more tune-up game Friday versus the Swiss. Check out some NBA action. The red-hot Raptors on the road in Charlotte. Toronto's won 9 of 10. It's a good basketball team, in the Raps, right now. Hanging in there with Cleveland and Boston in the East. Serge Ibaka throws it down. And Kyle Lowry from three-point land. Toronto really concentrating on the three-ball this year. They feel that is the path the championship, which we've seen Golden State and Cleveland do the past couple years, more from Ibaka. What a pass by DeRozan behind the back. Ibaka had a season high 24. Toronto had a big lead at the break and they continue to dominate. DeMar DeRozan with the drive going left-handed and a foul. He had 28 and another big night for DeRozan and the Raptors. They win it 129-111. There you are. Fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Barry.
2: All right. Thanks, Barry.
4: Here's a look at the conditions on the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb, a base of 165 centimeters, Grouse 21 new centimeters has fallen. Cypress 17 new centimeters and Sasquatch 44, with their base close to 200. Revelstoke, a base just under 150. Manning Park 138 with 55 new. Powder King, a base of 156. Big white, the base is 132, Silver Star 135, Sun Peaks 121, Apex 100. 10 to 20 centimeters of new snow has fallen in the southern interior in the last 24
12: hours.
10: Coming up on ET Canada, the disturbing Meryl Streep smear campaign in Hollywood. Plus, Noah Cap previews the finale of Bachelor Canada. And is the notorious feud between Noel and Liam Gallagher finally over? All of that is coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie.
3: All right, thanks very much, Cheryl. Well, it's a crime that has even the police scratching their heads. Someone stole parts off a brand-new snowmobile owned by a Squamish company.
2: As John Hua reports, it's what they had to do to get to their target that took this heist to a new level.
12: A harness, clips, and who knows what else. Some thieves will go to great lengths and apparently heights to steal.
10: One of our guides actually just uh, noticed it. It was pretty obvious, obviously, that the steering was missing. The handlebars were missing.
12: But that snowmobile suspended about 10 metres off the ground in the Rope Runner Aerial Adventure Park in Squamish. The brazen and daring theft discovered on Saturday.
2: You know, it's a thoughtless crime, really, isn't it? Because he's
12: wanting it for everybody else. They probably were not intimidated by the heights or the challenge of doing it. That was probably half the attraction. Climbing up to commit the crime, no simple feat. Counter to what the Squamish RCMP say they usually see. Criminals
6: go in when it's easy. Uh, this one took a little bit more time. That's why it's, it's odd to us.
12: Now the staff here at Rope Runner already stripped this snowmobile of its motor and other parts to make it as light as possible for this course. Never thinking they would also have to do the same thing to make it unattractive to thieves.
10: You know, to think that someone would steal that, like we also have a bicycle up there, like the next thing we know is like the bicycle would be gone. This is about $300 for the brake cylinder.
12: No Limits Motorsports Uh, first donated the uh, snowmobile for a park feature. The parts off the stolen steering column adding up to about $1,000. Whoever did that knew exactly what they wanted. It's a pretty specific part on on the machines. Wheeler replacing the parts with a pared down version, making the feature functional again for the last few weeks of the season. But the owner says having to compromise puts a damper on the holidays.
10: It's unthinkable where it should be the giving season and not really the stealing season, right?
12: Rope runner hoping by getting the word out, others won't go to such great heights. To sink so low again. John Hua, Global News.